0: So, we're going to start off um, the episode with uh, something a bit more serious. Um, So, it's probably not what our listeners are going to expect. So, we are not going to talk about the Cal Beach story this week. Um, When it comes down to it, we don't have the time today. I think there's a a bit of a time crunch today from a couple of us. And... We want to make sure that we get it right. I think with a lot of stories, it's okay if we get some of the details wrong. Um, But this is not something that we can get wrong. So we're going to shelve it a bit till next week. So we're going to talk about it, but it's going to be next week. Um, And give us a week to kind of prep for it to make sure that what we say and what we talk about is both accurate and impactful to both our listeners and other victims of this heinous crime. Does that sound good, guys? Yep. Sounds good to me. All right. Sounds good. Um, With that being said, we're going to start the show a little earlier. Start the show proper a little earlier. Um, And yeah, we'll talk about this. are listening to the Bag of Pucks podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. And we are back. So first, thing I do want to talk about today would be Morgan Riley's contract. That's like super reasonable, right? Eight years, I think 60 million. I think
1: when you were looking at all the other contracts that were being signed around this time, you were probably not taking 7.5 right like what like even last year before he was even you know needing to sign extension before he was uh entering the last year of his deal I think we were all guessing he was gonna get above eight at least right like he was gonna make north of eight million and then once you know guys like Seth Jones and Charlie McAvoy signed we were like okay like he's we're not going to be able to sign more I shouldn't say we but like, the Leafs aren't going to sign Morgan Riley. Like, he's going to be too expensive and that, you know, they're not going to be able to afford him. But, like, I agree. Like, 7.5 is a very reasonable um AAV
0: to me. Like, if you look at the comparables, like you said, the first one I thought of was Dougie Hamilton. You know what I mean? Like, $7.5 million defenseman doesn't get you that much nowadays, right? Like, in a, in a way, we're kind of boomers, you know what I mean? In, in the sense where, like, oh, my gosh, you got paid $3 million. Oh, that's a lot of money. I, I guess maybe I'm just the boomer. But, like, seven and a half doesn't get you that much, right? Um,
1: uh, it, It's, I don't know. Anton, your thoughts?
2: I'm um, sorry. I was looking at comparables on CapFriendly. Um, like, the most comparable one you have is, like, jared spurgeon that he signed a couple years ago or john carlson but that he's he signed that one in 2018 like pre-pandemic and everything so yeah it's like with seven and a half million bucks you don't have a whole lot it's like and then the next one's like oliver ekman larson seth jones tory krug so you know where i'm going with that you're right it's like you're these guys are making more than uh mo actually uh Riley's making seven point five, everyone else is making like eight, nine, and so on and so forth. So yeah, it's like seven and a half in, in NHL doesn't get you a whole lot in terms of like quality defensemen. So I think him taking a hometown discount kind of thing. It makes it look really good for the lease.
0: Like when we were all talking about we we're like, oh you know, Marner's getting what eleven um Tavares getting 11, Matthew's getting 11 as well. And it was just like, who's going to take that discount, right? To keep the keep the crew together. I did not expect it to be Riley, I'll be honest with you. Because if you look at the crew, you know, you have four forwards and a defenseman. And you'd expect, oh, I guess they would kind of accommodate for the one defenseman, right? But it turns out, no, it's... The defenseman accompanies that throws me off completely, but
1: I think it's because he was the last to sign, right? So he's kind of forced into, you know, I have to take the discount in order to, you know, stay with the team. But like the way you're saying that, you know, seven point five isn't really that much for to get like a quality player. Maybe it's not even a discount, really. Like maybe his actual value is seven point five. But I think we'd all agree he's probably, you know. On an open market, he'll probably get
2: eight, eight point five, maybe. Oh, for sure. Like if he, if he was allowed to walk into uh UFA this offseason, yeah, it's easily like eight, eight point five. Especially with the contracts that everyone else got, it's going to be a bidding war. Like even if you know he goes, oh, uh, he's not as good as Hamilton. He got nine. Okay, fine, eight. That's still more than what he signed right now, and Again, it's just like, I guess a comparable, I'm looking at just like Tory Krug, he's like 27, 20, he's like 29 when he signed it, and I was like, okay, but that was also last year, October 9th, 2020 when he signed it, so it's kind of comparable, but at the same time, I think this way, like if you're signing like Morgan Riley, he's played in your system, you're not kind of guessing of, or figuring out if he works out. Especially signing him to such a long term deal. Like, he's a guy, you know, he's a lifer. He's played there so long, and he's going to continue playing there for another eight years starting next year. Um, But does this kind of throw him into the big five for you? Or does that mean um, someone's going to get kicked out, like, relatively soon? I mean,. I
0: I don't think so. If you think about it, like okay, we're not trading. So the big five. Let me get. Let make sure we're aligned on the same page here. Is Matthews, Nylander, Marner, Tavares, and Riley. Right. That's the big five for you. What about Spetsa? <laughs> okay, so that is a big five. If you think about it, you're not trading Matthews. Period. Um. I don't think there is a market for Tavares. To be honest with you, I would also argue there's probably not a suitor that works for Marner as well. Not because he's, you know, bad team with Tavares. It's just the teams that can fit in 11 million, unless you're the Lightning, generally aren't in a position where they would where Marner and Tavares would want to waive your no-movement clause for. And then Nylander, I think, is actually the... Probably, now that, besides Riley, I guess, but before he was the most important one because... He's on a very good deal, if you actually think about it. 6.962, yeah. Yeah, so you're not trading Nylander because you this, the value you get back at 6.9 million, almost 7 million, is less than what you're getting with Nylander. Your replacement is probably going to be less valuable. So I don't think you trade any of
2: them. You probably get, like, I don't know, 2, 3 million guys, but, like, can they replace uh, Nylander who can do I don't know like 60-ish points yeah like I'm a boomer like your, your two third liners are basically going to be
0: sorry two three million guys are going to be third liners realistically yeah you're placing with two third liners like I don't know if realistically it is that effective to do that so I don't think any of the big four are going to get traded big five sorry are going to get traded
2: now I'm just throwing this out there quickly, though. It's just like with the Big Five. If the cap stays flat for next year, it's fifty-eight point nine percent of the cap to five players. I know, but like
1: I, I think Dubes has made his bed and he's gonna have to sleep in it, right? He's committed to you know having a top-heavy lineup. He's committed to guys like his Big Five. He's committed, you know, I would even, like, as part of his core, you got the big five, and i probably say, like Muzzin and Brody are pretty much stuck there as well, given their contracts and their age. Like, I think Dubis is like, okay, this is what I'm going to be doing for this team. We're going to try to, you know, scout well, you know, draft young prospects. We can just fill out all the other depth pieces, but we are going to depend on, you know, this core group of players, and we're not going to trade them. So, like, I, I would... Tend to agree with um Alson here. Like I, I think you're just, you're just gonna have this team. You're not gonna be you know moving on from any of them.
0: Like it's harder, right? Because like this isn't like basketball where you really only need five main. You only have five. Only need five players, right? You can kind of supplement them with like, you know, like role players, and you know it's a soft cap, right? That, that's a whole different story because it you know it's a soft cap. Hockey, it's a hard cap. And especially in baseball, it's money is only a thing for your ownership to provide you with. It's not an actual tangible item. It's not a restrainer, but in hockey, it is because it's a hard cap. Um, with that being said, it's you need depth. I think hockey, when it comes down to it, is a very physical sport. Uh, don't get me wrong. I I don't think it's as physical as, as like football. Like The NFL is a lot more physical. But with how hockey players are, I know, I feel injuries are a lot more prevalent and and impactful. I think it's probably the word I'm looking for, sorry. A lot more impactful to the game. But I think when you have a brand like Toronto and like the Leafs in a place like Toronto, you're uniquely advantageous is the word I'm looking for. Yes, uniquely advantageous in the sense that Many players grew up wanting to be Maple Leafs. Like this isn't like, you know, like Carolina or Florida, where it's like your pool of players growing up wanting to be a Panther or a Hurricane is significantly less, right? The amount of kids growing up being like, imagine scoring this Game 7 Stanley Cup overtime goal for the Toronto Maple Leafs is way higher and you can tap into that by doing what they're doing right now and being like, hey man, you could live out your dream playing for us on a one-year league man." And I don't think it's as bad as what, they think, what people are saying because they're able to tap into that emotional response to get better deals.
1: I think that's been something, it, it still kind of applies, but I think that's gone away a bit right like i think maybe if you were like maybe in the early like 2000s that really applied because i think it was your parents had such a heavy influence on you know who you cheered for but i think like nowadays i think that teams like or, or players have are growing up with you know they're not always just cheering what their parents cheer for anymore they're not always just for the hometown team right so i think it's changed quite a bit like there's definitely going to be those guys who you know come to toronto because they want to come back home or play for the team they cheer for but i think there's not as many young there's not as many players who are grew up as toronto fans as i think we were made to believe say 10 years ago so I think it's a little bit different, but I, I think you're, obviously, I think the way you're going to sell is that, oh, you have these star players that you might be able to get to play with, and then you can have a great year, have a contract year, and then move on and, you know, make your money elsewhere. But I, I think Dubas, it, I don't know if it's going to work. Like, it's worked, it's worked in the NBA. We've seen it work, right? With, you know, teams having big threes and then just getting all these depth guys who just want to win or just want to play with these guys and then they have great years and then they sign somewhere else. Now it's
2: just going to be, will it work in the NHL? Can I, can I read you guys this one little tweet that I found, which I found hilarious. I already know what tweet you're going to read, but yes, go for it. Yeah. 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 I think, I think, you know, Um, this this guy by the handle of a PhD or PhD events. Sure. Whatever. Um, He says, by taking a discount to stay in Toronto, Morgan Riley has shown he doesn't care about money or winning. It's a rare combination of an athlete or in an athlete, and I respect it. I mean he likes home. Let's go with that. But we're gonna
0: move on. Um, I brought up these two teams earlier, and I kinda I'm kinda confused. So on the survivor bracket, who had The Panthers and the Hurricanes being perfect through all this. I think Panthers is a more reasonable one. I think when we were doing our season preview show, which if you haven't heard, you can find us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts, Google Play Music, all that fun stuff. Um, We thought the Panthers were a pretty solid team. They're built pretty well. So that's not overly surprising to me. But who would have thought the Hurricanes I would like to say that in
1: our preview episode, there was one person who picked the Panthers and Canes to win their division. Um, I don't want to brag, but uh, it's looking pretty good for me right now.
2: The Panthers, I'm not surprised about. Um, the Canes, I kind of more expecting them to be like four and one, not perfect, but Freddie is has been a literal god for them. Um. I don't know what's happening there. I guess Carolina just has, I don't know, a fountain for goalies too. It's just like, hey, whatever injuries, whatever you have, uh, don't worry about it. You'll be fine. And that's exactly what he's doing over there. I
1: mean, they also haven't really needed to play much of the Metro yet either. So I think that kind of ties in a little bit of why they're such a, they're doing so well. Like, like, we, we said the Metro is going to be a bloodbath. And, I mean, they faced the Islanders in the first game, and they faced the Blue Jackets. So like, they haven't faced, you know, the rest of the Metro just yet. But, uh like, if you look at the hurricane schedule, there's a good chance that they could, you know, win their next two games and go on. You know, they're going to be, what, like, 9-0. and But then I'm going to be interested in on November 6th. A week from now, because it's the Hurricanes versus the Panthers. Like, I wonder, will do you think guys think both teams are still going to be perfect going into that game?
0: I want to because it would just be like epic, you know what I mean. The promo on that would just be insane, and I am a sucker for a good promo. But realistically, I don't think so. Um, I'm not as positive on the Hurricanes, I guess, as my, as Jeffrey is. And I don't expect them to win the next two games in a row. I think we're near in the end, which is a nice story. And let's be honest here. Every time I say something like this, I just get immediately like doubted by the team. So there's like a 95% chance that they're going to win. But with that being said, um, I don't think they're going to do it. I think this is just a nice story more than anything. I wouldn't call it luck. But there, I feel like there have been more than a fair share of funny bounces that have helped out the Hurricane. I think you look
1: at, you know, if you look at both of these teams, like, how, how we, I think the one word you describe it is, like, they're top to bottom solid. Like, I, it's hard to see, like, a, yes, there's definitely areas where they can improve, but, like, a significant weak area is, like, there's not really, like, somewhere where you're, like, oh, like, this is something that's awful for them, right? Like, I look at this Panthers lineup, like, the top 12 forwards, like excluding Lundell being injured, I think probably one of the most complete top 12s in terms of forward groups. Um, Goalies, you know, we knew Bobrovsky was going to rebound, so it was bound to happen. And maybe we look at their defense and we're not, you know, as happy with it. Maybe something that could be improved, but like this team, solid, right?
0: I would argue that Bobrovsky wasn't expected to rebound I know you've been super bullish on Bobrovsky rebounding like to the point where last year you like you made it a hard point for me to draft on my fantasy team I don't I think what they did this year they weren't expecting him to rebound be honest if you look at the moves they made bring like letting Spencer Knight kind of step into that role um as kind of like a 1B guy, I don't think they were fully expecting that. I think if they were expecting him to fully bounce back, they would have maybe let Spencer Knight play in the AHL, even though he's more than ready, just to kind of like, you know, play, get some playing time or even have traded him because they knew that, hey, you know what, he's going to bounce back and he's going to be great. We don't need to, we can just have to have a, you know, have a different goalie, you know, and develop within the system. Get some, some, some prospects. You know, you know what I mean, you know what I mean? So, I don't think the Panthers fully expected Bobrovsky to be as good as he's been this year.
1: Yeah, I, I think, I think maybe they were just expecting him to not be as bad as last year. I think is the key, and you know, I, they're they're going to regress back to the mean, but I think, you know. Also, having Spencer Knight up pushes Bobrovsky a little bit, but also, you know, protects him, Bobrovsky, from having to play, you know, the 60, 70 games that he used to play when he was with the Blue Jackets.
0: I mean, at this point, I don't think... I know you're super bullish on him, so I'm going to ask you. Do you think you can expect Bobrovsky to play 70 games anymore?
1: No, he can't. So that's why you have Spencer Knight there to, you know, play a couple more, like, play, you know, 30 games maybe. I mean, like, Anson, like, when he was in, like, Columbus, right? Like, he, there wasn't really ever, I would say, a backup for Bobrovsky to really, you know, like, give him a day off. So that's why he played so many games. But I think with Florida right now, right? Like, Spencer Knight gives them a viable option to play when Bobrovsky needs a night off.
2: Yeah, like, with, I don't know, like, with um Spencer Knight, it's just, you know, he he's reliable or uh, he's solid. Um, to your point about like having backups for for Brodsky, like yeah, he had Corpy, he had I think he had Forsberg one year and McIlhenny, like they were all okay for the most part during that time, but I don't think any of them were you know as good as Spencer Knight. I would say. Um, even then, it was like Brofsky couldn't play seventy two, seventy five games. Like no one. Should be playing that many games as a goalie. It's insane. Um, but yeah, like but I think with with the Panthers having having Spencer Knight as a backup option gives you the flexibility of being like, hey, you know, if Bob's is going through a bit of a slump, quite literally, anytime Spencer Knight can take over for a few games, and you know, he's still young, so. Even even if he plays well, um, it's really Bob's job to lose, especially moving forward. He still has another like five six years on his contract. You can't just make him a designated ten million dollar backup. no matter how much you want to do it. Mm-hmm. I think you also look at like when you talk about like a
1: backup, like if you know it's a little bit of a streakier goalie and just need some guy to step in for a couple games. I think that's how. Carolina almost has it too, where like, maybe not just for goalies, but like, again, like I could see them having like similar depth throughout their entire lineup, where you're like, you know, really anyone can play anywhere in this lineup, almost every anywhere. I wouldn't say, you know, Jordan Martinuk can be a first line center, but like the way I look at you know the Carolina team, it's very similar to the Panthers, where you know, one to twenty,
2: everyone's. Pretty damn good. To your point of sorry. Um perfect records. I think I think um Carolina has a better better chance of staying perfect because they're playing the Hawks the next couple games. Whereas um Panthers got Bruins tonight, uh Caps and then the Canes. I think their schedule is a bit more tougher and if there was a team who would um lose their perfection streak, uh I think it would be the Panthers.
0: So I guess you brought it up. The imperfect streak, say, for the Hawks and the Coyotes. Is this... Because the Coyotes were supposed to not, like, completely suck. You know what I mean? The Coyotes weren't supposed to, you know, win it, per se. But they were supposed to not completely suck. But they're kind of, you know, on the path of completely sucking. Is that is that the proper term to use, guys? You didn't expect them to blow this much. And then the Blackhawks, they're trying to contend, right? You don't bring in 36-year-old Marc-Andre Fleury
2: if you're not trying to contend. You don't bring the reigning Vezna trophy winner for nothing and then trade for Seth Jones, sign him to an eight-year extension just to suck.
0: Yeah, nine and a half. So honestly, like that's another comparable, bringing back to Morgan Radley that's like holy crap that maybe really they did get a really good deal um but yeah so they're trying to contend and something's definitely not going well there like this this is really weird right like how do you how do you deal with if you're the coyotes how do you deal with this right like clearly the John Jacob plan never didn't work. And now you are trying to figure out what to do. And there's just a whole lot of nothing, you know what I mean? But was this not their plan this season
1: to just shit to bed and then hopefully, you know, get the first overall and draft uh, Shane, right? Was this not the plan? Like, like, yes, I, they're going to win eventually, we think. But like, this is what was this what was was expected for this team, right? Like, you look at their goalies right now. Like, can you know do you know any of these goalies? No. Like, who are this... their goalies?
0: Please, please share with us.
1: Right now, so Carter Hutton is out for three weeks. So they have Karel Vejmelka and Ivan Prozvitov, I want to say, um. And between the two of them, before the season, they've had a total of three NHL appearances. And now this season, because there's no one else to play, they've had seven. So basically, between the two of them, including this season, they've
0: had ten appearances between the two of them. It's not looking good. Okay, let me let me you know say something in between though. Ivan Prosev, Tav, okay, sorry, I butchered the name. He's on an emergency loan, so you know he's not a elite player to start with. You know he shouldn't be here. For his, as I'm trying to go with, um, they have Joseph Kronar in the system, and he played ten games last year with the Sharks. Um, so you know there is uh, ten games of NHL experience in, in the system that they're just not using. Um, and Carol Vemelka is starter level in, I guess he'd say above starter level consistently in the Czech extra Liga, which I would say is probably like a third tier league. If you consider you take apart, like the second tier being KHL, SHL Liga for goalies as well. And then you'd get that third tier and that's kind of where you get the Czech leaks. Um, I mean, there are pieces there, and I think there are like injuries. You know what I mean? Carter Hutton, I think, is a one of the lower end goalies for starters in the NHL. I mean, for this team that's trying to just kind of be like not sucking completely, you don't need a great goalie. You just need one that doesn't suck. And I don't think Carter Hutton sucks. <laughs> so I feel like the injuries kind of screw them over where they have no depth, don't get me wrong. But I don't think they're they're sucking. I heard
1: you stumbled there when you got to Carter Hutton and you saw his numbers, I think. And then you were you wanted to go back, but you were too far into saying Carter Hutton was a an
0: okay goalie that you couldn't back yes. away. I've committed fully. But I mean if like they have pieces, that's a thing, right? Like Clayton Keller is a strong piece. I would say Dimitri Yaskin has the potential to be a pretty strong piece, but you know he needs to be supported. Right, a guy who has sixty points in fifty nine games in the KHL is a piece. He may not be a great piece, but he he is a piece. I think Lawson Kraus could become a piece. You know what I mean? Like, and on defense, Chikrin is a, is a piece. I would say Labushkin if you put him in the right situations. Is It's is a piece, you. It's not a very offensive piece, but, like, in the right situations, you know, he's pretty good. I'd say Soderstrom has the potential
2: to be good if he's unhurt. Like, there are pieces here. But the thing is, it's, like, I think we, for me especially, if I'm, like, hey, just looking at this team, you're, like, hey, are they going to contend? I'd be, like, no. They're going to contend for a lottery pick. See, I
0: don't think they're the plan yeah, the plan in my opinion wasn't to contend. It was just
2: to not suck. I think there's but a like, difference there. I think I think with the Hawks, you know, like we said, we I think we'll get to them in a minute, but um they they brought all these guys in, they're like, Yeah, like they're t- we still have and Kane, t- we've got the Brink Cat, everyone, yeah, let's like, just keep playing until they actually can't play. And then we'll move on and figure out what we want to do from there. But um, with with the yodes they're like fire sale, like you know, how o, like OELs out now, like the next gen's coming, kind of thing. Like I guess we start on Chikarin, um, Keller, Schmaltz, those guys. Like you said, like and whoever fits, like the uh, Yaskin or um, uh, Kraus. But other than that, it's just like everyone here is a UFA. Like we, we touch on this, it's a UFA or there are FA's. Like they're all playing for... They're all playing to be traded at the deadline, basically, from what I can see. It's like, do you want some grit and grind for your uh, playoff run? Would you like a Antoine Roussel? Like, that's kind of what I'm seeing with this Arizona team this year. It's just like, hey, if we finish 32nd out of 32nd, whatever. We have all the picks in the world. We can get even more picks just drown in picks but we are not here to be a competitive team this year like the the goalies names it's like they're like names that you see like six years in the NHL franchise you're like oh, okay it's EA generated I don't know what these guys names are
0: no I get what you mean um, I get what you mean it's just kind of like I didn't think it would suck this bad you know what I mean like I thought this team was going to be like sixth, try to compete for sixth at least. And it wouldn't just be like, a, a, even if they finished last, I didn't think there'd be a landslide last, which is kind of what it's looking at. But I think that's, at the end of the day, that's not the biggest surprise. The biggest surprise is the Blackhawks, right? Like they're fully in content mode or tried to be in content mode. And it's just, not working. You know what I mean? Like you don't trade for Seth Jones if you're not trying to contend. You don't trade for Marquandre Fleur if you're not trying to contend. And like you know what I mean? Like I'm just thinking
2: this is going to get ugly quick. And like you also don't you also don't trade away Adam Bouquets who's like 20, like a a solid building piece. Um, if you're trying to contend and stuff, like, sorry, if you're, like, rebuilding, like, you don't trade away a 20-year-old defenseman, and you don't trade away your first-round pick from last year, and you don't trade away, potentially, um, this year's first-round pick, which is top-two protected, but, like, it's, you know, like, you don't do that if you're rebuilding. So, clearly, when, when Bowman was building this team for this year, he was like, hey, two more years of Taze and, uh, I want to say Kane. I think they have identical contracts, and then like after that, I think the Brink I can t- kind of take the mantle of being like the scorer, like the the main guy on the team. Like all these guys they brought in, it's just like or yeah, you know, Flurry, Flurry this year, and then hopefully like can can uh take a next step forward. Like Seth Jones signed until like fucking twenty twenty eight. I don't know, like Jake McCabe, all these guys. You don't bring them into rebuild you bring them in to compete for a stanley cup uh ring jeffrey has been awfully quiet for a little while i've noticed that i think that
1: you know i agree they're not supposed to be as bad as they are so i think they're gonna rebound like i don't think they're supposed to be in the same tier as arizona in terms of their how they're playing right now and i mean I don't know if they had a tough schedule, but I, I think it's going to come back, I think, to um, their head coach, right? J- Jeremy Colliton. Like, he's kind of, I want to say, the first, you know, new age young coach, I would say. And, you know, he, he found some success with the Blackhawks, but I think his time's kind of run out where, you know, maybe he isn't the right fit for this team anymore, right? Like, he was... Probably, I think, I think when he started coaching, he was like the same age as some of the guys on the team, right? Like it was almost as weird as like when like, you know, Marlowe and like Dubas and Keith were all around. I don't know if Keith was around yet, but like it was kind of around that weird timing. But like, I wonder if they just need like a new voice in the locker room. Um, we'll talk about the other stuff later, but I think like on paper, I don't think the Hawks were supposed to be this bad. And, you know, they got hit with a little bit of COVID as well so um i think maybe that's kind of changed like you know hurt them a little bit but I, I think they can rebound it's just not the greatest start and it's you know it's hard to come back from such a bad start and you know compete for a playoff spot which you know they thought they were going to be able to do
0: yeah and and, and that's probably where we're we're, we're gonna kind of put a pin on it i think we're kind of just been going in circles on this um also because i almost i gotta go Ah, uh, so let's wrap this up um, and we'll have some final thoughts and we'll start with Jeffrey. I feel like I've been singled
1: out the last three episodes because I've been named to do my final thoughts first um, every single time. Austin, I don't think that's very nice of you. So um, my final thought is I would like to hear Anson's final thoughts.
2: That's a horrible way to transition. Okay. Just gonna point out uh my final thought. I'm just quickly scrolling. The Metro's the only team that has uh teams about five hundred, even the six, seven, eight. The rest of the teams, uh, you know, the two and six Canadians, uh oh seven one Coyotes, and the one five and one LA Kings. And because you said your final thought, Jeffrey, you cannot go again. Go ahead, Alson.
0: Um, do not disrespect the LA Kings um I think final thoughts this episode yeah um next week's gonna be a bit more of a serious episode um yeah we really want to make sure we get it right so um hope you guys can understand that we do want to take a week to kind of make sure we get it right um and we'll chat with you guys next week about it and uh, we love y'all and yeah bye Thanks for listening to the Bag Fucks Podcast, part of the National Podcast Network. You wanna complain about us? You can tweet us at B O P underscore P O D on Twitter. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.